0: We'd start this week with a little poetry. That was that was Shakespeare, wasn't it? I don't think it First was. First said, your love is like bad medicine.
1: We struggled. We struggled, <laughs> we struggled to find this an appropriate
0: week. song this week. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we're from madwolf.com. Yeah, we struggled a little bit because uh, we are back to picking out a favorite director, uh, and this month's, this week's choice is David Cronenberg, who we love, who we love, and he's known a lot for medical body type horror. Yeah. Now, not every movie we're going to talk about today is in that vein, right? But uh, we struggled with the songs. Um, we were thinking about uh, maybe a Blondie song, a Debbie Harry song, because hint, hint, she's in one of these movies. You can probably guess which one. But uh, we went with Bad Medicine. We did. So that that sets the tone. So, again, welcome in. should be a fun one, and uh, we had a great time. we got to say thanks, a huge thank you, to last week's guest, our senior filmmaker correspondent. Great job, uh, Jason Tostevin, as we counted down the best horror of 2015, and we got some great, great feedback. It turned out really well. He gave some great insight.
1: It is, and we want to give a shout out because his, his short film, A Way Out... Uh, was just accepted into the Twister Alley Film Festival. Yeah. So, uh, Hands Off Productions—that's his. That's his group. And yeah, uh, check that out. Congratulations on Facebook. and good luck.
0: And good luck. That's what we got to see that one. Uh, a I few. think I've seen all of his. Have you? Yeah. I haven't seen all of them, but I saw that one and I was impressed. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. It takes. It is. It is. It takes a turn that you don't. You don't uh, come. You don't really see coming. And the performances are great. And it's got that actor. I wish I knew his name. If you saw saw this movie, he's a long time character actor. Yeah. You know his face. Immediately, and I, I apologize, I don't know his name, and Jason's probably going to be mad because we don't know, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, it's well done, and yeah, congratulations on that, uh, what's it, the Twister Alley Film Festival, yep. that's coming up in May? Uh, I think you said that. Yeah, in uh, in Oklahoma, so congratulations and good luck, well deserved. Thanks again uh, to Jason, we, we're probably going to have him back on again, we got a lot of people said you should have him back on again, maybe. And he already
1: said he was in, so it means he's volunteered. He's in now. He's booked.
0: Because we normally (laughs) do... Yeah, you're booked. Uh, (laughs) We normally do on our website, uh, madwolf.com, about June of every year, we do a halfway through the year look of Look at the best movies, period. Right. Not, not just horror movies, but the best movies. We always do that. So somebody, I think it was Bridget, brought it was Bridget, up. It yeah, Bridget. Yeah, Bridget Oliver that. from uh, Columbus Horror Society. Yeah, just change the name, by the way. If you follow us on Columbus Horror, it just has a new name, Columbus Horror Society. So we've, we, we're all, you know. Classing like up. Classing up the giant. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, um, so we're thinking of doing that. Maybe in six months' time, we'll look at the halfway through the year. Uh, best Horror of 2016
1: Speaking of Bridget though Yeah She had a couple of uh, Bones of contention With our list And I don't know That she wanted the The couple of movies That she pointed out Necessarily in the top five She wanted them mentioned And she is correct She wanted Alleluia mentioned Which is kind of a yeah. It's a sequel of sorts To Calvar, Which is one of our All time favorite movies Um and we kind
0: of just forgot that one, didn't we? Yeah. It's not that we didn't like it at no. all. It's just we, and, and we would certainly have brought it up. We just kind of forgot. It slipped yeah. our minds. And the other
1: one she really liked, which I don't, you didn't love all that much, was uh, When Animals Dream. Was it, it was an interesting, uh, nice take on the werewolf and uh, sort of female pubescent
0: kind yeah. of film. But it was... It was interesting. I think the trailer had me more excited than the movie, than the, what the movie delivered. Yeah. When I saw the trailer, I thought, ooh... Like, yeah, but uh, yeah, it just kind of underwhelmed me well, it was it was it was, fine. it was,
1: I liked it a lot, but it was very slow and dreamy. Um and I felt like it needed a little bit more oomph here and again now yeah. and again. Also senior Aussie correspondent Corey Metcalf who does a podcast on Golden Spiral Media that you guys should check Triple out. Triple cast. Triple Cast. Um he was disappointed and we should he's right, we should have at least mentioned Wormwood. Yeah. The Australian zombie flick, which was great. We loved Wormwood.
0: Yeah. Not so. that he's not that he's pulling a homer because no. it's Australian film. <laughs> but no, I know you like that, yeah.
1: And you know what? The other one I had I had planned to mention, nobody brought this up, but I had planned to mention, is The Voices. I really enjoyed that yeah, film. You know
0: what? A lot of people did. That yeah. one seemed to slip through the cracks, yeah. but everybody who saw it seemed to love it.
1: I liked Cooties, too, this year. There's just another one I could have thrown out there. None of these would have made the top five, probably, but... Yeah.
0: Um, but it was met- a good. It was a good year. There was some oh, really yeah. quality, quality mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, in 2015. And again, thank you to Jason for helping us count down, count that down. And thanks for all the comments and the recommendations for things that we left out. So, all right. So we're moving on to uh, this week. We're back to one of our favorite directors. And you know, every time we brought this up, you knew that Cronenberg was going to be probably the next one on our list of directors. Yeah. Because uh, he because is. Because we love him. He's definitely a favorite, and uh, we've talked about a few of these before. But there's some newbies. There's at least one new. No, there's. I guess there's one, one newbie on here that we haven't talked about at all. And uh, we'll start it right off at number five, all the way back to 1975 for David Cronenberg's Shivers. What are they? Raging demons from another world, bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed, or incarnations of absolute evil. <laughs> They possess men, women, and children, and drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. The only escape is death. If this picture doesn't make you scream and squirm, you'd better see a psychiatrist
1: also called They Came From Within, kind of depending on which VHS tape you picked up. <laughs> um,
0: <and> Betamax. <laughs> I was a Betamax guy. <laughs> not really.
1: <laughs> it just, you know, he actually almost exactly revisited this film just a couple years later with Rabid. Um, You know, it's... and it, All of his preoccupations are on display in this movie, and it's actually it's a very well-put-together movie. It's not brilliant. It's more on the list because it was his first movie and because... It was his first horror film, and because it... It really announced his style and uh, his sort of unique vision. And if you're not familiar with the story, uh, high rise in Toronto, uh, uh, there's a, a doctor who lives there who's experimenting with his girlfriend, um, sort of a, a sex arousal kind of a thing, and these.
0: Wait. <laughs> boom 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 So anyway, it's it's, it's it's uh these
1: slug these slug monsters and they get inside of you and they turn you into like a sex zombie. Uh, it's a very unusual uh, weird kind of concept. Sort of a cross between Rocky Horror's kind of give yourself over to ultimate pleasure and uh Slither. Slither which we love which which absolutely the, James Gunn absolutely stole Lovingly stole from this movie. Yeah,
0: well, especially the bathtub. scene. The bathtub scene. scene, yeah. But let's let's be fair. That uh, variations on that scene has been done have been done many many times. Yeah, I'm going to say know.
1: Cronenberg did it first. You're going to say that? Yeah, I'm going to say. Okay,
0: it. so with this movie, you're yeah. saying is the first bathtub scene like that?
1: Like that?
0: Okay. Yeah, because that looks very very familiar, especially yes. to anyone that has seen uh, Slither. But here's a shocker: this film was shot in 15 days. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's it's
0: more of an
1: impressive first yeah. film. Uh and almost didn't get released. It was almost uh uh pulled back by a Canadian film board because they considered it pornography.
0: Well, not only that, but it hurt David Cronenberg getting funding uh in for future films because he he got funding through the National Film Board of Canada mm-hmm. and after it came out, somebody, a journalist wrote a scathing scathing piece that said you should know where your, the dollars are going to fund filth like this, and right. it really it, it hurt his his funding for future uh, future movies.
1: But you know what I find interesting is that then when he made Rabid just a couple of years later, it is so similar. There's a there's a slug like monster. It turns you into a kind of, but also it stars a porn a porn woman, Marilyn Chambers. star. Yeah. It's like he was just this was almost like flipping the bird to everybody who said, <laughs> "Oh, you thought that." It's not as good a movie. I don't think it's as good a movie as Shivers. Um, it's not as uh, interesting a concept. And, you know, remember that Star Trek where it's like, they're all happy, and then one of them realizes, well, it's not our own minds that are making us happy, so we have to leave this planet, and Spock, that's, you can't you can't bone that hot girl anymore. Remember That's that
0: where they get, they get shot with the, the flower, shoots him with some mist yeah. in the face. So and that's basically the concept of this movie. And Kirk has to pick a fight with Spock. Right. Yeah. We, it's, we're-
1: it's fascinating. Barbara Steele and Lynn Lowry. Lynn Lowry, who... She's a sex pot in this movie, and we remember
0: as the very wrong kind of sex pot in the crazies in 1973. Yeah, so, and then she also shows up, as we talked about when we talked about the second crazy. Yeah. She's the woman on the bike. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Now there was talk, wasn't there? Talk of a remake of this movie. Have you ever heard anything about that? I thought there was some talk of a remake.
1: Actually, I don't know. I mean, there are so many movies that have taken from this film. I don't know, that, <laughs> including one of his own movies. I don't know that it would make any sense to remake this, but I've not heard of anything. Okay,
0: I, maybe I, I read something I wrong. Say I thought to so, so.
1: So our friend Bruce Bartu puts on a twenty-four hour film festival, a horror horror movie marathon in Columbus every year and he always tells me this story. He did it the first time he did it he was in Boston and they came from within was the first movie that they showed and it opens on what appears to be a middle-aged man slaughtering and maybe raping a young girl she's wearing a she's wearing a schoolgirl uniform if you if you stick it out you realize that she is actually an adult and she is his lover and they're experimenting but a lot of people apparently did not did stick, not it, stick out. it out at Boston
0: film festival I'm they out. just took off <laughs> <laughs> what's well, a way to you know it's a way to weed out the weed. that's
1: right that's, that's right that's what you Thin want the to herd.
0: Do. so uh 1975 shivers david cronenberg's debut uh, clocks in at number 5 on our list and that moves us up to number 4 much more uh, well known of a movie uh from 1983 his take on Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Touch this man's hand and you are in the grip of the dead zone. I've had another episode. Is it a power for good or for evil? If God has seen fit to bless you with
1: this gift, you should use it. Bless me? You're a devil. Not
0: only can you see the future,
1: I can change it.
0: Did we talk about this with our senior Stephen King correspondent? It did not.
1: I don't think it actually made the top five uh, of the Stephen King movies, but it was one that we sort of mentioned as, uh, and also ran.
0: Okay. Yeah, because it's, uh, it, 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 the funny thing is that apparently, Christopher Walken, of course, is, sure. is the star. Yeah. Uh, but apparently Stephen King's first choice was Bill Murray.
1: Interesting. <laughs> Wow. Can you imagine that? Cuz you know what's funny is that I bet Christopher Walken was a weird choice to begin with yeah. to play that character. But yeah, wow, Bill Murray, especially especially in 1983. I yeah. mean, that's Yeah. crazy.
0: It's uh it's an interesting movie especially now if you catch it on a, a late night cable or something with the Martin Sheen character running oh for God, president yeah. it might really uh seem awfully current oh yeah a little um, bit a little uh, bit to the current uh, you know political uh, landscape uh, i think you know where i'm talking about there but uh yeah it's a very famous i think it's one of Stephen King's l- longest books i mean it's very oh. verbose um, I think, but no, uh, no,
1: they, they made a whole series. Out yeah, of it. A whole, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you could tell from the trailer there, he sees the future and then apparently he gets the idea that, well, if I can see the future, then I can change the future. Yeah. And then Martin Sheen is running for president, and Christopher Walken may or may not be uh, spoiling that run for the presidency, and things get crazy.
1: He's not a supporter.
0: Not what a supporter. He wear- he's
1: got his Bernie t-shirt on. He's not a supporter. <laughs> uh,
0: not wearing a button. <laughs> that is so right. And uh, there's one of the other funny things about this movie is one a very famous um, composer, Michael Kamen, who has gone on to do many, many, many movies. Um, and work with a lot of uh, a lot of rock bands and such. Anyway, he did the score for this movie, and apparently when he was uh, writing it and and practicing it at home, his neighbors would ask him to stop because the music was giving them nightmares.
1: Nice! <laughs> so, well, then you know you've done your job.
0: Uh, I was exactly right. It's like, hey, then I must be on the right track. So, yeah, it's got that, that Stephen King, you know, the cr- creepiness, and I think as far as Cronenberg goes, it doesn't give him, though, the chance to... to flesh out all the types of it doesn't go as far as he would normally no, go.
1: It's a very different type of film for David Cronenberg. There are there's a, there are a couple scenes, there's a scene in the in the park there are a couple scenes where like, you're reminded, oh yeah, this is a Cronenberg movie. And, and I think the characters are weird. They're weird people, right? And and the performances are... Even Brooke Adams is odd. Of course, yeah. Christopher Walken, effortlessly weird. Yeah. And Martin Sheen, scenery-chewing Martin oh, Sheen. He's great. He's great in this boy, movie. Boy, did he. So, I mean, and, and a lot of times I think in Cronenberg films, the performances are never naturalistic and they're never... They're a little wrong-headed, in, mm-hmm. and I think intentionally so. But I think that's why some films like Crash, for example, don't work all that well, because the performances are, are too odd. Um, and But I think, for me, that's one of the things that I like the best about this movie, is that they really embrace their inner weirdness, these characters Oh, do yeah. And that's a very Cronenberg kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, but it does definitely seem like... If it was his movie from the ground up, it would have gone a little a little farther.
1: Yeah, because generally speaking, he writes his own films. Right. And, of course, did not write this.
0: Yeah. And uh, another interesting little side note is the gazebo that they use in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end of production, it was donated to Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario. And uh, even today, I think it's a very popular spot for weddings.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, awesome.
0: You know, if, uh, put that in your travel plans. But uh, So that's from 1983, uh, Stephen King's The Dead Zone, as directed by David Cronenberg and starring, not Bill Murray, uh, <laughs> Christopher Walken. But now I'll try to get that out of your head now when thinking about that movie, how different it may have been. But uh, that's number four. So number three is a classic uh, from Cronenberg from 1981, The Exploding Heads of Scanners. There are four billion people on Earth, Two hundred and thirty-seven. Our scanners, they'll control your mind, conquer your will, manipulate your body like a toy. You begin to self-destruct. You pray it will end and it will. Scanners, their thoughts can kill.
1: So I just want to point out, David Cronenberg made eight horror movies. And I love, love all eight horror movies. I just wanted this to be super fuzzy math so we could just do eight Um, But I decided not to do that. So the couple I just want to say the couple that don't make this list, it's not because they're not brilliant, wonderful, magnificent movies. And in some cases, Scanners, for example, the reason Scanners got the nod over a couple of these is is more because this is the movie that put him on the map. You know, once once yeah. scanners came out, all the world was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> you know, and it's um, it's it's iconic. It's a it's a cult film. It didn't make tons and tons of money. You know, it wasn't as universally acclaimed as, for example, The Fly. Um, and love it was Love the Fly, uh, Love the Fly, Love the Fly, and it wasn't as weird as The Brood, which I also love. I love The Brood, but that's a thing. I love all eight of his horror films, and I love a lot of his mainstream movies too, like Love.
0: Yeah, any anybody that loves The Fly, if if it was me. The fly would be on this list, but um, we know how... We know who who uh, pulls the strings here. It was
1: hard. It was it was tough. <laughs> and there are a couple times where I was very on the fence and I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go with Shivers because it was his first movie, you know what I mean? And I'm going to go with uh, and and actually The Dead Zone was the one that was most likely to get dropped. The Dead Zone was the one. So anyway, I just want to say I love The Brood. The Brood is brilliant. The Fly, yeah, it's just universally amazing. I mean, what a mullet-tastic movie that is.
0: Brundle Fly.
1: Brundle Fly. I love The Fly. But anyway, uh the the reason the scanners is where it is is because It is just an iconic movie, and and nobody had ever seen that done in that way before, and it really, again, I mean, I think it's sort of the pinnacle of Cronenberg being Cronenberg. He's got such a knack with corporeal horror. He's got such a knack with medical, invasive creepiness, and also, like, uh, technology and conspiracy theories, and I'm like, all of those things gel so well in this particular film.
0: Plus Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside uh, is, you talk about effortlessly, effortlessly creepy, he, he might have been the, the perfect choice when you're having to emote that something, there's pressure in your head. Yeah. I mean, he, he pulls it off. Um, like, wow. Um, but the other thing is the rest of the cast. I mean, let's, let's talk about how bad the acting is <laughs> in this movie. And Stephen Lack, buddy, I'm looking at you. Now he's so awful. And apparently he is, he was, is a renowned artist, painter, sculptor, just brilliant. God love him. But he is awful, and, and I've seen in this movie, and uh, I've seen a. few... He's awful,
1: actually, in every movie. He really yeah, is. Yeah, he is.
0: And I've seen that. I've seen a few boards, a few you know conversations where people try. to say, Well, you know, it served the character. No, come on, he's awful. Jennifer O'Neill is not not that far behind. No, she's it's not bad.
1: Good. Now, I actually do think that um, that his performance does suit this. He's he's barely human. His brain doesn't work properly, and then he's so weird yet wholesome as the counterpoint of weird and sinister michael ironside revik that i mean it but uh, i mean his character works i don't want somebody who's better than that in that movie i don't (laughs) i don't i want the big you know googly eye goofy flat affect man i do i like
0: him okay but uh, the thing that really put this on the map, as you said, was the exploding heads. Yeah, oh, absolutely, um, no question. Everybody, I remember when I, when I was a kid, and everybody was talking about that. Oh, man, they blow people's heads up. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it really did announce him. Because at the time, those types of effects, I mean, that was the best you're going to do. I mean, nowadays you watch it, oh, clearly, you know, you can tell where they, the fake heads come in. But but so what? It was, it was huge. And also, it's interesting that Cronenberg um, went on to direct... Of a uh, version of Naked Lunch yeah. years later, because in the book, the the um, inspiration for scanners in the Naked Lunch they called them senders, yes. right? Yeah, and you can see how the inspiration for for scanners might have been uh, in in that book.
1: Oh yeah, I I think that there's no choice. I think that Cronenberg was the perfect choice to direct Naked Lunch. Yeah, and it wasn't I think that well received. I loved it. I love the book. I did too. I love uh, I love I thought it was a great movie version. Yeah, yeah. I, I did too. I loved it.
0: Yeah. But uh, Scanners from 1981, the iconic Scanners, that is number three on our list of the top five David Cronenberg films. And that moves us up to the top two. You could probably guess them. And uh, in at number two, from 1983, the classic Videodrome. Max Ren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since. What? Since I first saw Videodrome soon his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh television can change your mind videodrome will change your body long live the new flesh no less an expert than andy warhol called videodrome the clockwork orange of the 80s
1: wow and that is high praise that is. yeah
0: and uh, you can see that you can see where yep. uh, he would make that comparison because uh, the whole thing about uh, Long Live the New Flash, yeah. this type of um, cultish type of, of group uh, reframing society. It's, uh, it's interesting, even today, um, the, the type of, it's not medical, this is not a medical horror for Cronenberg. This no, but is,
1: there's definitely, if there's a physical transformation there's a that physical transformation. kind of mirrors what happens in the fly, I think.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's more of um, a, a take on media.
1: But I think both, uh, especially that really tragic ending uh, for Brundlefly and this film, there's a marriage between the human flesh and technology that's literal. That's There's a literal combination of human flesh and technology in this movie that I think he'd been hinting at for many years. And uh, and here, James Woods is great. One of the reasons I think James Woods is great is because he's not likable. He's never likable. He's not. And, you know, so the whole time, you're like, so this is the... Hero? Am I rooting for him? You know, and I think that that fit the character perfectly.
0: Yeah, and something that I didn't know uh, about until researching this, uh, David Cronenberg was actually a student of Marshall McLuhan's, who, of course, Marshall McLuhan came up with, The Medium is the Message, and um, David Cronenberg was actually one of his students. Wow. And based the character of Brian Oblivion on Marshall McLuhan. Wow! Yeah, which makes... So hurt. much sense. So much yes. sense. But I couldn't believe that he was actually a student. Not just read his books. Yeah. Because I read his books. I studied communication in, in college, and everybody had to read Marshall McLuhan, but actually had him as in college, which wow. was amazing. So you can definitely see that sort of uh, the medium is the message uh, influence all over this movie, and not just when you're getting eaten by the TV.
1: No. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are so many things that Cronenberg does that really only he does. Um, and the, the idea that he could basically take such honest truth... You know, and then turn it into such a sci-fi, gross body horror kind of a, an episode, is is yeah, it was just very him. He, nobody looks at things the way he does.
0: And, and also, this is the one, if, if you're not familiar, this is the one we were talking about that Debbie Harry yeah. is in. Yeah. Which was another thing that really put it up, because in 1983, she yeah. was huge. She
1: was the shit. Yeah,
0: she was. Blondie had broken, and she was uh, about ready to go solo. And uh, yeah, so the fact that she was co-starring this movie was big deal.
1: You know and it was uh it was before it came out especially with like the advertising and, and you know it seemed sexy. You know when you watch it nothing Cronenberg does is sexy. No. Nothing. And in fact the no. more the more he actually investigates sex the less sexy his films are. Well, Crash, yeah. Oh yeah. Not, oh my god. I, no, not Eastern Promises. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I love. That's my favorite all-time favorite it's David is Eastern movie. Promises. That's just a masterpiece.
0: It's a great movie. And and it's also um how close to home he he set this is uh, their Civic TV is based basically on City TV out of Toronto. Sure. Yeah, and that's where he kept the thing thinly veiled in what his, his message about, about media was. And apparently there were three, three different endings were filmed really? and considered. And uh, according to what I read, the, the ending that they went with was actually James Wood's idea.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: so uh, yeah, he's kind of unlikable but uh well done, I guess. Oh yeah,
1: well he's talented. He's yeah. just
0: Yeah. But uh Videodrome uh from 1983 is one that continues to be a you would call that one this one a cult classic as well, wouldn't you? I would. Uh, I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah, for for good reason, especially as people continue to study that type of uh medium is the message uh those types of theories. Uh this one you could go back to time and again and and you know, Long Live the New Flesh is just kind of a
1: it's a brilliant slogan. It yeah, it really you know, is. Brilliant for the film, you know, inside the logic of the film, but just generally speaking, it's a creepy, awesome slogan.
0: And and, and it makes you think from what Andy Warhol said, you can equate that to, you know, the old ultraviolence from, from A Clockwork yeah. Orange, definitely. So I can see where those two movies uh, make a very apt comparison and I leave it to Andy Warhol. Real War- horror show. Well, yeah, real horror show. Leave it to Andy Warhol to point that out. So number two uh, from 1983 is Videodrome. And number one, we've talked about uh, at least a couple times on the podcast and this one definitely qualifies as bad medicine uh, from 1988 dead ringers by every scientific measure they are absolutely the same they share
1: everything you haven't had any experience until i've had it too
0: doctor you've cured me you mean to say there's two of them twins dear
1: for working on mutant women radical technology was required something radical is definitely required dead ringers separation
0: can be a a terrifying thing
1: yeah, the brilliant Jeremy Irons. Just what a performance and what a creepy movie about twin doctors who are spiraling badly into insanity and they happen to be gynecologists of all things. Ooh! Eesh!
0: <laughs> Eesh! Yeah, I, I guess um, both Robert De Niro and William Hurt uh, turned oh, okay. down, turned down the lead role. Well, I'm so glad it was Jeremy Irons. Oh, he I mean was great. He was
1: so good. He was so, you know, he was so good. Uh, you know, very tender and broken, you know, as Beverly. But, but, uh, you know, both twins. Eventually, you just see the tenderness and love. But they're both psychotic, and it's, you know, we did it for our twin podcast. Where my evil, my evil twin Joy was a co-host, and and it was the number one on that one too, because the way he creates two. Different but dependent characters is just masterful. And then it's it's super creepy, too, and it's very Cronenberg. And, you know, oh, Genevieve the- Pujol plays, uh, she's a mutant. she You know, she's got the wrong organs for a woman. And it's another one where they really sort of dive into sexuality in a way that just makes you feel like... Wah!
0: Well, and just getting a look at those implements oh, that yeah, he designed. The, those hey! instruments. Yeah, those yeah. O- yeah. Nasty. Nasty. N- and apparently um, how he... You talk about his performance, which I agree... Uh, coming up with the two distinct personalities. I guess when he was filming for his own mind about which character he was into, he differentiated on how he stood. He On one character, like maybe Elliot, he would have all the weight on the balls of his feet. Oh. And on Beverly, he would go back on his heels.
1: Interesting. Just to get
0: that physicality uh-huh. and, a, and a frame of mind. And you can see, I love hearing about those little tricks that oh, yeah. you, the great actors use. Yeah to differentiate, uh, especially a very demanding role like this.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm always fascinated with twin films. I'm always fascinated when, you know, we loved Goodnight Mommy, but those are actually two little boys. Right. Those, are, those were twin boys. And they're children, so you can't expect a child to be. But but I love, I'm fascinated with movies where one person plays both characters, because I just want to see, did you make them actual characters, the two actual people? And it's because there's a certain, you know, twins... You know, they do, ha- they depend on each other in a certain way. Anyway, it's, um this this performance is just brilliant. You might wonder to yourself, you might be saying, was this not the number one Canadian horror? It was not the number one Canadian horror. And here's why. They didn't make it in Canada. Amazing. They didn't make it in Canada. It was made in the United States. Jeremy Irons, of course, not Canadian. So that's why we want video drum because it was the last completely Canadian production.
0: And I think one thing, you talk about this movie, you'd be remiss in not bringing up. The dark comedic aspects, yeah, very dark, yes, very dark. Very. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people would say, "No, there's nothing funny about this oh, at no, all." It's but there are some, some wicked humor in wicked there, wicked, and just coal black. But I like, I oh, love, yeah. love dark comedy, and there are definitely some elements of that in here.
1: There's something about Cronenberg; it's you know, everything is so antiseptic and and at the same time kind of rotty yeah you know um again i just don't think anybody does actually his son his son made a film called antiviral which is the closest thing to a cronenberg movie anybody's <laughs> ever made
0: which because he's a cronenberg right. yeah
1: um but so apparently it runs in the family but but yeah i think there i think there's a humor that runs through almost all of his films that's easy to miss because it's 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 got that sort of and in, the, in this case like hospital room kind mm-hmm. of antiseptic and yet
0: foul sort of and even though it's not a horror uh, Maps to the Stars had it yeah definitely in spades Uh, such dark comedy Cosmopolis was just
1: seeping with dark
0: humor yeah so I love that and also you have to bring up that our buddy uh, from Scanners Stephen Lack is in Dead Ringers as well yes yes he is (laughs) I don't know he wasn't seen in too many movies past this but again I guess he's a great artist so there you go that's right good for you yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, so yeah, and Genevieve Bujold, um, you mentioned, but that's a, that's a demanding role on it, her part as is. well. It is, it is,
1: and she does a great job, um, because... Yeah, she, she, it's, she's in a bad position to start with. She's in a vulnerable position to start with, and then she realizes she's being taken advantage of by these two these two men that she thinks is one man. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does a great she really does she does a great job with it. Yeah, she's she, sympathetic, but not too which is which is the way in a Cronenberg film. Nobody is too sympathetic yeah. in a Cronenberg
0: film. Yeah, yeah. Dead Ringers from nineteen eighty eight is our number one from our list of David Cronenberg films, and it would have been a fuzzy math eight. But uh, we (laughs) narrowed it down to five. But there's some good ones. His entire, as we said, his entire catalog, whether it's a horror movie or or not, if he is uh, filming something, I want to see it.
1: Exactly. Although the two movies of his we don't particularly care for, they're both car-related. Yeah, Fast Company and Crash.
0: We don't care for either one of those. So as long as he's
1: not in a car... (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly. So uh, we look ahead to January thirteenth. It's coming up fast. Uh, that is our next edition of Fright Club Live, and we are really geeked about this. We're going to be back, uh, Gateway Film Center, uh, High Street in Columbus, Ohio, and we are going to we are going to uh, tape this podcast as we talk about our favorite female vampires, and then we are going to show on the big screen. You got to see it. Uh, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night.
1: Such a gorgeous movie to watch. It's such, a, and We've gotten some really good uh, suggestions, especially on Twitter at Mad Wolf. Um, Brandon Thomas, man, he's throwing a ton of them out there. He's throwing tons of options out there, but not just him. we got a lot of... So if you have a favorite female vampire movie... You know, tweet it to us, and maybe it'll make the list.
0: Yeah, please let us know because there are some good ones. A uh, couple that you know come to mind. Well, of course this, and of course that, but there's always some hidden gems in there. Absolutely, and we definitely. And de- you got
1: to go back. You got to go back. Yeah. You know, because there have been you know there have been female vampire movies for as long as there have been vampire movies. Because actually, the book Camilla, I believe, came out before uh, Dracula did. So wow. it's yeah. So I mean, there've always been female vampire movies and and you know literature. So. We're not just going to take the five most recent.
0: Right. But there's some goodies in there, so let us know. Keep the conversation going, as always, at, at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F, on Twitter, uh, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook, as well as madwolf.com. But that's not until January 13th. Now, next week on the podcast, we are going black and white. We, we, well, we are, but we're going to do the best
1: silent horror movies, which I think was recommended by Vanessa sh- Vanessa.
0: Yeah, Vanessa and Rob. Vanessa and Rob. Nice. Um, So so it's not, I said black and white, but it's silent.
1: It happens that they are all black and white? They are all black and white? Okay.
0: (laughs) So I was correct. You were right. I will stand by that comment. So let us know about that, too. If you have any off the top of your head, uh, any that uh, are your favorites, let us know. And thanks to Vanessa and Rob for that that recommendation. We're going to do that next week and then right into Fright Club Live for the female vampires. So keep all that coming. Hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you had a very, very great new year and are looking forward to a... Frightful 2016 (laughs) 2016 and until then i'm hope mad and i am george wolf this is the fright club podcast stay frightful my friends